Have you ever tried to start a fire before? Like, like a, a legit one, like from scratch, like not using a Duraflame log. It's not the easiest thing to do in the world. I'll just admit that. And uh, this is going to come as a shock to many of you. Um, I'm not the biggest outdoorsman. I, I, I know I look like the rough and rugged type, but I really only own a flannel because of fashion. <laughs> a few years ago, we were camping and a fire needed to be made. And so I stepped up. I'm like, I'm a man. It's in my blood. I'm going to do this thing. So I got the logs together and I was looking for them. I was like, hey, how come, where, where are the logs with the, with the paper that I like? <laughs> And I, I was surprised that they make those logs without paper around them. And I, I got the, fi the fire logs, and I came over, and I was like, this is going to be no, no problem. It's easy. Just stack the logs up kind of in some type of formation. And, and then you just take a match, and you light it, and you, you set the thing on fire. And it didn't work. So I did it again. Nothing. And I started thinking to myself, this this is not going well, and, and there are people watching me now. This is a test of my manhood, and, and I, can't, I can't not make fire. Me, man, I must make fire. <laughs> so um, I did what any average man would do, and, and I walked over, and I got, I got the, um, the lighter fluid. And I came, and I drenched the wood with lighter fluid. I lit a match, dropped it, boom! This log is on fire. I walked away like, yeah, baby. This log is on fire. And I started feeling the man in me roar for about 20 seconds. And if you know anything about lighter fluid, it doesn't last long. And it, the fire went out. And I started thinking to myself, okay, this is not going well. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get some little tiny twigs. And I'm going to put them underneath the logs. And I'm going to light them on fire. And so I did that. And it started to work. And then they start going out quickly because they're very, very tiny. So I get more twigs. And I start small. And I, and I tuck them underneath the wood. And then I get some more. And I pretty soon I'm fanning the flame. I'm kind of blowing air on the flame. And, and the flame starts to grow. And after a while, the little flame catches the big logs on fire. Once the big logs catch on fire, I no longer need the small twigs because now I just add more big logs and its fire is burning bright enough to catch the all big logs on fire. This is, this is the moment where I became a man. Like immediately I felt a beard grow. I, all of a sudden an ax appeared in my hand and I shot an Old Spice commercial right there on the spot. Come on, somebody. People are enjoying the fire. They're like warming themselves by the fire. They're, they're, they're roasting marshmallows for s'mores. And I just kind of step up there like, <clears throat> I made that fire. You know that fire you're enjoying? I, I, I did that. It's no big deal, but I did that. And I felt something in me rise up with pride because something that started so small became this raging fire. Crazy thought, though. The raging fire didn't last forever. It was only there for a while, and I, I kept having to add more logs to it because it would burn up the previous logs. And as I would add more logs to it, it would continue to burn. The moment we stopped adding fuel to the fire, it began to dwindle. And by midnight, this fire that was once burning so bright 
and blazing is now just smoldering ash. And the next morning, nothing. Here's the idea. The idea is that a fire can continue to burn as long as it has constant fuel and oxygen. This is a picture, by the way, that a, a guy named Paul would give to a young preacher named Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Timothy, fan the flame. Fan into flame the gift of God. It's already inside of you. I just need you to wake it up. I need you to fan it. I need you to get some air to it. I need you to get some oxygen to it. There's a gift inside of you. That's undeniable, but I need you to fan it into flame. Now hold on to that thought. We'll come back to it. Let me give you a setting of 2 Timothy. Fan the flame is really the sermon series title, but let me give you the setting of which this is written. Paul is writing this, who once was a Christian hater and a Christian killer, and he would just throw people in prison for preaching Jesus. This guy gets saved. He has an encounter with Jesus, and he becomes the greatest missionary the world's ever known, aside from Christ himself. This guy begins to preach and go around uh, Turkey and Asia Minor and, and, and all of these areas, Rome, and he's telling people about the message of hope and healing of Jesus. And the setting is about 67 AD. Now, the Bible is writing, or the writing of the Bible is 13 books written by Paul himself. That's a lot of playtime. Luke is the only one who wrote more scripture than Paul did. He wrote Acts, Luke and Acts. Paul writes 13 books, and out of the 13 books he writes, listen to me, this is his last one. It's very emotional for me to read this book because I know the setting, and I'm picturing him. He's a little older now. He has been in the game for a while. But he's in prison when he's writing this letter. And he's, it's, it's called a prison epistle. Epistle is just a letter. So he's, he's writing a prison epistle because he's writing from prison. Why is he in prison? Tax evasion? No, for preaching Jesus. He's under the harsh rule of this guy named Nero, Emperor Nero, who was an evil man. This leader, he blamed Christians for this big fire. And persecution started about four or five years before that in 64 AD, three years before that. And, and now Paul is in prison for preaching Jesus. And Nero, history would tell us, he actually would take Christians and dip them in tar and light them on fire to light his gardens. Like, sadistic, this is an evil ruler. And history would also tell us that Paul would go on after this book and be executed outside of Rome by being beheaded. This guy writes from the Mamertine prison, which on this last trip, we were in Italy talking to pastors about how to reach Rome and how to reach Italy. Had some great meetings, and we had a day off where we went to go look at some, some sites. We saw the Colosseum, and we found our way to this prison. And I have a videotape that I took on my phone. I want you to see, I want you to see where Paul would have written this book. I'm walking down right now into what is called the Mamertine prison, where Paul the apostle would have been held captive, awaiting really what tradition says is his beheading from Nero. This place is cold, it's damp, it's musty. It really is a hole in the ground. And this is where he would write to a young preacher named Timothy to encourage his faith. You can imagine, this little cave-like cell 
where he's writing to encourage somebody else. That blows my mind. As he's there writing to encourage somebody else, telling Timothy, stir up the gift that's inside of you. And this is where he would say, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And his whole life, he says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and now there's a crown laid up for me. And not just for me, but for all who call on the name of the Lord and look for his appearing. And this is actually the area that they would have lowered him down. The only light that would come would be from this hole in the ground. In this place, he's encouraging somebody else while he's having probably the worst season of his life. I can't believe I'm standing here right now. I thank God for Paul. I thank God for his perseverance and his example. Read 2 Timothy and picture him writing from here. To a young man named Timothy, he's writing to, to help him understand how not to collapse. In a world that's collapsing, he says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you from this hole in the ground, be encouraged in your faith. How many know that even in your desperate times, you can encourage somebody else? It'd be really easy to back up and just say, let me just think about me. Let me concentrate about me right now. Anybody grateful for Paul that even in his worst days, he was still writing letters of hope and healing to help other people? Like we're reading this 2,000 years later, encouraged by the word of Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 1, he starts by saying, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. You know, life becomes real when you come to realize the love of God. Like, there's a promise of life. Several years ago, back in the 80s, I think it was, there was this, there was this interview, and it was a TV interview with these punk rockers. And they were asking the punk rockers, like, why... Why are you filled with so much hate? Why, do you, why are you hurting people? Because this specific group of people were actually doing this. And they answered the question by saying, what else is there? Like, that's a big answer. What else is there in life? I suppose we could all give that answer in different areas of our life. Like, why do we act the way we do? Why do we, why do we search for purpose in meaningless stuff? Well, what, is, what else is there? When you don't know what else there is, you settle for emptiness. Write this down in your notes, everybody. Don't settle for emptiness because there's a promise of life in Jesus. John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says that the devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said that's what he came to do. Let me tell you what I came to do. I came to give you life and that you could have the abundant life that I came to bring. Come on. How many are thankful for life in God? So... Paul is right, and he says, listen, take hold of this. And then he says, listen to the emotion that's poured out in this passage. In verse 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says, To Timothy, my dear son, my son in the faith. Meaning, he's not his biological son, but he's taken him under his wing. He's become a spiritual father. And in Acts chapter 14, or 16, or Acts chapter 14, this is where Paul was stoned in a city called Lystra. Everybody say Lystra. So Paul's preaching Jesus. They don't like that message. They take him outside of the city. They stone him. And I mean like with rocks. I don't mean like, you know, stone him. <laughs> but like they, they try to kill him. And they leave him there. They think he's dead. They leave him there. He shakes himself up. 
he dusts himself off, and Paul walks right back into the city that just tried to kill him. I mean, Paul was OG. He was, many of us would be like, oh my gosh, I want to call a lawyer. Paul was like, hey, that's all right. Let me go back in and see who else would listen to the message. <laughs> crazy. This guy's crazy. But Paul would go into a city named Lystra. Guess where Timothy was from? Lystra. He was about 15 years old when Paul came on his first missionary journey, gets saved, and then on the second missionary journey, Paul comes along and says, hey, Timothy, I see some potential in you. I'd love to bring you with me on this next trip. Brings him close. In Acts chapter 16, flip over there, we're gonna look back and forth at some scripture. Paul came to a place called Derby, and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews living in that area. Um, okay. Sometimes if you read the Bible, you miss some funny stuff like this. Like, um, Who wants to be an intern or enroll in our Bible college? We're having adult circumcision in the growth track room after service. Like, what a way to kill church growth, right? But that circumcision was God's, it was God's sign of a covenant with the Is Israelites. Which, if I'm, if I'm Timothy, I'd be like, hey, um, Noah got a rainbow. You know, that was a sign of his covenant. Can we, can we get something like that? So the faith of Timothy to like adult circumcision without medicine, that's saying something about Timothy. Like, Timothy, yeah, I'm down. How down? Really down. Like, like, let's get that rock over. No, no, okay. So like, understand the context. He says a son. It's my son. Interesting fact, not in your notes, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14 Paul says, hey guys, you have 10,000 teachers. You lack fathers. I'll be a spiritual father to you. We have never been in a generation that lacks fathers like this one. I was at a conference about five years ago and I was on a panel with some young pastors and they were asking us questions like, hey, what's the greatest need of your generation? And I, nobody answered it, so I leaned forward. And I was like, pastors. Uh, no, uh, we're pastors, but I said fathers. We need fathers. I said, we have a lot of mentors, but we lack fathers. And they said, one guy raised his hand and said, what's the difference? And I never thought about this before. But it came out of me in that moment, I think it might be right. I said, mentors are people you can call. Fathers are people who call you. Do you have that in your life? One pastor, one leader, one father can't father everybody. God has set up family. He set up church. He set up leadership in a way where we can all begin to step out and father some. We live in a fatherless generation where this generation loves to be mother, but they hate to be fathered. <laughs> they want to be coddled, but they don't want anybody to get in their business. 
and we lack some fathering, we need some men to stand up and take their rightful place and say, I will pour my life out into this next generation. Obviously, we need mothers, we need spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers. We need some small group leaders to step up and say, I'm gonna pour my life out and invest in a son, in a daughter. Somebody did that for us, and even if they didn't do that for you, you can now say, I can recognize the serious need because I never had that, I'm gonna be the best father I could possibly be. I'm to be the best mother I could possibly be to some young girls, young guys. Come on. Is there anybody with me today? How do we do this? Sign up to lead a small group. Today's the last day to lead for this summer semester. You can sign up in the lobby to say, I'm going to lead a small group. What do I lead about? What do I talk about? It could be about almost anything. Play some basketball with them. Scrapbook with somebody. Pray with somebody. Encourage somebody. I'm telling you, there's more gifts inside of you than you know. He continues. Grace, mercy, and peace from God. Grace is God's free gift to you. His mercy is God withholding judgment from you. How many are thankful for both? And then he says the peace of God, which by the way, the, you, you get the peace of God when you make peace with God. It's, 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 it gives you the ability to be panic-proof. We all wanna be panic-proof in life because there's so many things that pull on our emotions. Write this down, not only can God fill your life so you don't have to settle for emptiness, but he can also forgive and cleanse your conscience. He can also forgive and cleanse your conscience. Verse three, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. How can we have a clear conscience? Because of verse two, because of grace, mercy, and peace. God can literally take away the shame and the guilt of your yesterday. I don't know where the world goes to deal with their yesterday. We come to Jesus because he's able to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to not just take away the sin. He clears your conscience. He clears your past. He clears your mind. Now you can serve him with a clear conscience. Is there anybody that's grateful today? We have a God who can clear your conscience. Then he says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, Timothy. Like, by the way, just reading all of this together, there's so many things jumping out in my mind. You don't want to pray if you don't have a, a clear conscience. <laughs> like, the reason we can pray and the reason we want to pray is because God has cleared our conscience, because of his grace, his mercy, and the peace of God. You don't want to pray without a clear conscience. Without a clear conscience, you don't want to go to church. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to do ministry. You don't want to serve people. Like sin and shame is what the devil uses to keep you from advancing and growing in the, in the fullness of God's purpose. I'm praying for you, verse four. Verse four, he says, I'm getting to a place where I'm, I greatly desire to see you. Picture him in this cell. It's not even a prison cell, it is a dungeon. And it's, it's really like they would kill people by just letting it fill up with water. There was not the staircase that I walked down. It was just a hole in the ground and I'm longing to see you. I desire to be mindful of your tears and I, I, that I may be filled with joy. Like, my greatest joy is seeing you developed. Verse five, he goes on to say, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, somebody say faith, that's in you, which first dwelt in your grandma, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm persuaded is in you. Can I tell you, faith is passed down. Faith is passed down. God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's the God of Lois, Eunice, Timothy. Like we, we, we pass faith down. Now here's the cool thing. Some of you are first generation Christian. Like how cool is that? 
you get to impact generations from now on. From this point on, generations will be different. They will take a different pathway. They won't have to wrestle with the same things that you wrestle with. Customs are passed down, cultures passed down, inheritance are passed down, recipes are passed down. A lot of things passed down. Let's not forget to pass down our faith in Jesus. And don't just rely on our youth group and the kids' programs on a Sunday. That's a supplement. Training happens at home. We teach our kids about Jesus together. We learn to pray about the Bible and go through the Bible together. We serve together. We come to prayer meeting together. We do ministry together. We are a family. Come on, pass some values down. And because it was in Lois, it was in Eunice. Because it was in Eunice, now it's in Timothy. And Timothy is now pastoring a church in Ephesus where the book of Ephesians is written to, all because the faith was passed down from generations. At some point, you're gonna have to make this faith your own. It can't always be your daddy's faith. It can't always be your mom's faith, your grandma's faith. Some, I remember when my faith became my own. Thank God for a great legacy. I'm fifth generation pastor on both sides of our family. But at some point, there was a moment where I said, is this the family business? And God says, no, there's a, there's a great heritage here, but I have a unique calling on your life. At some point, you gotta make this your own, young person, and 20-something, and 50-something person. We have to make this our own. Verse six. We're getting, is anybody enjoying this? Yeah. It's just the Bible. Verse two, 2 Timothy 1, 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Okay, listen. You have a gift of God in you. There is a gift. Now, look at your notes. Some don't know it. Some are unsure. Some people are too scared. And some don't believe. Like, that doesn't change the fact that there's a gift in you. Even if you don't believe it, it's in you. Even if you're scared to use it, it's in you. It's there. The seed has already been planted. So the faith of God, the gift of God is in you. God created you on purpose for a purpose, and he gave you a gift to fulfill the purpose. So God has put this inside of you. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, not in your notes, Paul says, hey, when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. Well, a lot of times we are. 87% of the people that go to church have no idea what their gift is, no, no idea what their purpose in life is. Paul says there's a lot of gifts but the same spirit. So we gotta, we gotta come to the place where we understand the problem is not possessing the gift, the problem is not using the gift. That's the issue, the issue at hand. Like, I was in South Africa and they had this, I was speaking at a conference and we were driving back to the hotel and he, he said, yeah, I know this guy, he has the largest collection of cars uh, in, South Af in Africa. And he has 400 cars. And I was like, well, why are we not there? So we go there, and he has a museum of cars. We go through the museum, and then because we know the guy, we actually get to go into the basement where he has all these other cars. I mean, it's the, it's the right temperature. He has cars from every car you could think about. And then he has a track around there, not to race, just to drive the cars. He didn't even drive them. He has too many cars. How many like that many cars? Think about the insurance. <laughs> okay, Listen. They have a track. I said, what's the track for? He says, the maintenance people get out there and they realize that they have to have a track not to race but to drive the car because cars were made to be driven, not sit. You're telling me there are full-time people that their only job is to drive his cars around the track so that they don't, yeah, because damage happens to the cars if they sit too long. The gift of God inside of you 
was not made to sit and lie dormant. I understand there's seasons of preparation. I understand there's seasons where we're working on us. I get all that. But at the end of the day, God gave you a gift. He needs to drive that gift inside of you. Don't let it sit. Paul says to Timothy, fan the flame. There's a gift of God inside of you. Come on. And this timid preacher prescribes from a prison cell that he fan a flame inside of him. The gift of God, it's already in you. It needs to come out of you. And you say, Sean, well, that's not that easy. Maybe that's because you're expecting the flame to be a raging fire immediately. And if you, if you remember my, my, my pathetic fire that I built at a campsite, you remember that at first glance, it didn't look like much. And I actually had to get the small twigs out first before I had this raging fire. Can I give you some advice? Start small. Write this down in your notes, start small, start small. We always think that if we go from, from like dream to fulfillment in day one, and usually that's not the case. Start small somewhere. Zechariah 4.10 says, don't despise small beginnings because God, he just rejoices to see it started. Like the moment you take a step, heaven's like, oh, that's my boy, that's my boy. When my daughters took their first step, it was one step. It was like this. <laughs> Mom and I lost it. That's my girl. Look at, she's so advanced for her age. That's my baby. She wasn't dancing or jumping jacks or running. It was one small step. Can I encourage every single one of you? Jesus Christ rejoices when you take one small step. Take a step. You gotta learn to take a step. Start somewhere because you will always feel stuck if you refuse to start. You all, people are like, I just feel stuck in life. That's because you're not moving. You, you're not stuck. You just stop moving. You'll always feel stuck if you refuse to start somewhere. Start with our growth track. Listen, the beginning of the month, June 3rd, it starts again. Give me four Sundays to help you discover your purpose and gift. It's not hard. We'll help you. We want to take you on this journey together. Give me four weeks. June 3rd at 10 o'clock or 515. You can do either of them. They're options. And once you get the flame lit, feed it. Fan it. Use it. Like pretty soon the embers of a desire to make an impact begin to catch fire and begin to grow. Come on. To not give God your best, you're robbing him. He gave you a gift. He wants a return. To not give God your very best, we're robbing him. There ought to be a drive inside of you to do something great. There ought to be a drive inside of you. You say, man, I just feel regular. You're not regular. You're not as regular as you think you are. All through scripture, God used regular, so-called regular people. There was a little boy that woke up one day feeling regular. He had a lunch, and Jesus took his lunch and used it to feed 5,000 people. There was another lady who woke up one morning. She walked to a well thinking it was just a regular morning, and she had an encounter with Jesus Christ himself. And this one lady who was at a well turned around and became a well so that she could reach an entire village with the message of Jesus. 
this little boy named David who was watching some stinky sheep, he woke up one morning, thought it was just a regular morning, but that was the day that God Almighty chose to anoint him as king. He would go on to become the greatest king in Israel. Come on, I know you woke up this morning and you just thought it was a regular Sunday and you think, I just feel regular, but today is the day that God is choosing to get your attention and let you know you are not regular. Come on, he put a gift inside of you. He put a fire inside of you. Stir up the gift. Fan the flame. I'm determined to make the greatest impact in my lifetime. Get a drive inside of you. I know the flame might just be a flicker, but we're trying to blow some air on it. We're trying to say, listen, fan the flame. Get it going because you are great. God wants to be great through you. Many people will say God is great. Few will be able to say God has been great through me. I want you to be able to say that. How do, how do we become great? Is it just for me? My status and popularity and my Instagram following? No, that's ridiculous. Jesus says, you wanna become great? Awesome. Serve somebody. Like that's how you become great. You wanna be first? Great, it's good. Be last. Lay your life down, serve. There's no one who can limit you. A lot of times we think everybody's placing limits on us. Nobody can limit you, nobody can hold you back. No one can keep you from your destiny. Our God is greater than all of that and he's waiting for you to take a small step to use the gift that's inside of you. Somebody say, fan the flame. Come on, turn and tell two people, fan the flame, fan the flame. This fire is hot. It's hot, it's red hot. It's not cafe latte hot. That's warm. This fire burns. It's, it's a burn inside of your soul that I've got to serve people. I've got to make a difference. But he says to fan the flame. How do you fan it? What does that even mean? It's a continuous action. Fanning is a continuous, ongoing action. It's not a quick fix. We come to a conference. We come to a service. We're like, ooh, I feel good now. And by Tuesday, it's gone. Well, that's your fault. I preach pretty good. I need you to do some fanning. Sometimes you need to fan yourself. And we always expect somebody else to do all the work. Hey, can you feed me? Can you fan me? Can I'm just gonna sit here. You do it all for me. On a Tuesday morning in traffic on the way to work, you need to learn to put some worship music on and fan yourself. Get your fan out. Begin to stir up your faith. Come on, get the word of God inside of you. Read the Bible, pray. Maybe don't read while you're driving. That's dangerous, but you can listen to the Bible. Fan the flame. Fan the flame inside of you. It's there. It's already there. And I had, to be, I had to give this fire at the campsite constant attention. The moment I stopped providing fuel is the moment it started to dwindle. And let me ask you a question. Is your fire dwindling or is it growing? Fire goes out without con consistent fuel. So exercise your gift. De develop it. Use it. And write this down. Our gift is for others. Our gift is for other people. First Peter tells us this, each of you should use whatever gift. You're like, what's my gift? Come to growth track, we'll help you find that out. But whatever gift it is, use it to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So watch this. So in order for us to be faithful stewards of God's grace, we have to serve others. And if we're gonna serve others, we have to do that through our gift. And in order to use our gift, we've gotta feed it, fan it, into flame. So here's the question. What is it in your life that's trying to smother the flame? There's a gift inside of you 
there's a flicker inside of you. What is it that's trying to smother it out? Is it pride? Maybe we're refusing to learn the lessons God's trying to teach us to prepare us for a greater platform and greater influence. Maybe it's doubt that you don't believe he can really use you. You see he can use somebody else, but you're not sure he can use you. Maybe it's the pleasures of the world or they keep getting in the way. And maybe it's, it's, it's a wound that you refuse the Lord to heal you of. Maybe it's fear. Fear comes along and says, there's no way you can do this. I, I'm afraid to step out. I'm afraid to get out of my comfort zone and lead a small group. I'm just terrified. I don't know if this can actually take place. Listen, if you struggle with fear, you're in good company because so did Timothy. So did I, all of us. And Paul knew that there would be a certain level of fear the devil would love to place on you to try to keep you from the purpose of God. And that's why the very next verse, verse seven, he says, God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a power, love, and sound mind and self-discipline. Come on, we can do this together. Write this down. You can do this. You can do that. You can actually do what God called you to do. Fear didn't come from God. You know, out of all the commands in the Bible, the one that is listed the most is do not fear, don't be afraid. How many times? 365 times. One for every day of the year. Don't be afraid. Fear doesn't come from God. If you're fearing, if you have anxiety, guess where that's coming from if it's not God. So recognize where it's coming from. Don't fear. Fan. We've been spending most of our time fearing when we should have been fanning. Fan the flame. Fan the gift of God inside of you. Don't waste any more time fearing. Fear, fan means to give what it needs. What does that gift need? It needs development. It needs a father. It needs a spiritual mother to help you and encourage you. It needs the Bible. It needs the Spirit of God. It needs you to spend time in worship, in the secret place. Do you know that stable, like, a, like with stable fuel, oxygen and heat, a little household fire can double every minute. Double every minute. The size of it. Okay, here's the question. We're all in one of three places. Is your gift growing? Is it staying the same? Or is it being smothered? Are you growing in the gift and the grace that God's giving you? Is it staying the same? Are you at the same place you were last year? If you're at the same place you were last year, you haven't been fanning. Ephesus was a large church, and Paul needed to pass a baton on to somebody. And he's trying to teach Timothy how not to collapse. And he's like, Timothy, I can't, I can't have the gift just remain the same size in you. What I'm getting ready to pass on to you, I need you to fan the flame. So don't stay the same, fan. Don't fear, fan. Don't faint, fan. Yeah. Don't fall away, fan. Yeah. Get to a place where you're fanning the flame inside of you. Second Timothy chapter one, verse eight. Let me close with this. I have so much to say. So hard to get all this in one day. He says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me as prisoner. Which by the way, how can we be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus? Like some people are like, hey, don't talk about Jesus. Why? Anybody see the wedding yesterday? Like the, what's his name? Prince Harry? 
That's a monument, by the way. A monumental moment. We got American, a biracial woman. That preacher got up. I was like, oh. He started talking about fire. I was like, I'm studying fire too. He wasn't worried about what everybody thought. He was delivering a cool message about the love of Jesus. At some point, you have to stop calling him the man upstairs. His name is Jesus. He saved us from our sin. Why would we ever be ashamed of somebody who gave their life for us? I'm not going to be quiet about Jesus. Be quiet about your mama. You'd say, no way. I'm not being quiet about my mom. She gave me life. She gave me my, everything I learned. Well, guess what? So did Jesus for me. He gave me life, gave me purpose, gave me forgiveness, gave me healing. Don't tell me to be quiet about Jesus. How can I be ashamed of the God who saved my life? Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he saved us and called us to a holy life. You know, it's interesting because a lot of us want to live saved, but we don't want to live called. We want fire insurance to not go to hell, and then we don't want to live called to fulfill the purpose of God for our life. He says, you're, you're, you're both saved and called to a holy life. Holy means you're set apart for a divine purpose. Like the, the shirts you chose today, that's a holy shirt. Some of you are like, yeah, well, it does have a couple holes. No, it's holy because it means it's set apart. You chose it out of all the clothes you, you have. You chose it to wear today. God says, I'm choosing you for a purpose. Be not because of anything we've done. Like, don't get this twisted. It's not because, we're, we're, because of something we've done. It's because of his own purpose and grace. Saved, called, purpose, grace. Saved, called, purpose, grace. This grace was given in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Verse 10, but it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life. He killed death. He slaughtered death. He destroyed the power of death so you and I can now have life here on earth and eternal life in heaven and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. What's a herald? It just means somebody who's telling other people about God. When's the last time we used our gift to tell somebody about Jesus? Let's pray. God, give me some windows of opportunity this week to invite somebody to church. And maybe if I can't just invite them, let me tell them about you. How do I do that? Develop a personal relationship. Share your personal story. Give a personal invitation. There's your three-point sermon on how to win your friends to Christ. It's very simple. When's the last time you personally didn't say, Sean's going to get them? Well, I need my small group leader to come over. You, you have a story. Share it. Tell somebody about the love of God without being rude. And the gospel is I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know in whom I believed. I am persuaded. I am convinced that, that what? that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Some of you that have kind of been on the fence, kind of like, ah, oh, just checking this thing out. At some point, you come to a place where you say, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that everything I've given to God, he's able to keep until that day. Verse 13, when you heard me, what you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching and faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit 
that I've entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. That's part of the gift. I have to close. There's a few more verses, but we have to close today. So much going on in my heart. He greets a few other people. He says a couple people bounced on me, abandoned me. And he's there in this prison cell writing on a parchment paper. And Timothy would open it up, and this guy who was nervous and timid would read this and gain the confidence he needed to fan the flame. I want you, over the next four weeks, to gain the confidence you need to fan the flame. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, all over the room, maybe you say, Sean, my life isn't right with God, and I know it. I need it to be right here, right now. I'd love to introduce you to him. It's a simple prayer I would lead you in, in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand and come to the front. My heart's not to embarrass you, it's to connect you to God. But maybe you're here and you say, Sean, I was once close to God, but I've drifted away. I'm not as close as I was. Can I come back? Can I renew my commitment to God? Absolutely. You're saved by grace through faith. And today, if that's you, you say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it all over this room. Can you lift your hand up? And, and just in, say, include me in that prayer when you pray it. I'm giving my life to God. Come on, be bold. One, two, three. Lift it up and leave it up. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome. Great job. Proud of you. Hey, pray this out. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today I give you my life. Forgive me from my sin. I want to live for you. I am called. I have a purpose. And I want you, God, to develop the gift in me to serve others. I'm all yours. I'm all in. Just put your hand on your heart for a second. Lord, I pray for every single person here and watching online whether they don't believe the gift that's inside of them, whether they're too scared, whether it's undeveloped, I pray that today you would give us the grace and the ability to fan into flame the gift that you placed in us. We don't want that gift to lie dormant any longer. We want it to be, to be grown into a, a raging fire so we can reach the world with your love. I pray that, God, you help us through our growth track, through our dream team, through our small groups to develop every single leader we possibly can so we can make the biggest impact we possibly can. That our fire would not grow dim, but it would be a raging fire. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say a good amen. amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for all those who prayed that prayer today. Great job. Great job.